Hello and welcome to From the Rookie. D- Dave, are you saying you just can't get enough there? Because Watford have just won 3 0 here at Vicarage Road against Birmingham City. Troy Deeney's Birmingham City. Dave, that was, um, well, you went to QPR and you uh, have seen the first two games under Chrissy Wilder. How are you feeling? Right, I'm going to. I'm going to say one thing and then I'm going to dash to the train. Okay. I'm going to get it out of the way early. And I'm going to bring the mood down straight away. <laughs> and I'm going to leave you guys to discuss what was a brilliant night, a great performance and something that we really needed. But my overriding thought, watching that game and leaving it now, is that was a 3-0 victory, a comfortable 3-0 win against a team we should be beating. I'm tempted to call it a routine victory, <laughs> except it isn't. It should have been a routine victory. We should have had four or five more results like that this season, and we'd be so much in, su- in such a better position. We'd be much closer to the automatic promotion positions. We should have had a lot more games like that this season, and we have failed to deliver them. And it's so. It's for me, it's bittersweet in this moment because we've left it so late. And there's so many afternoons this season where we should have just scored early and comfortably beat teams. And we made such hard work of it. So I loved seeing that tonight. It was great to see us score early, play confidently, score some goals. Everyone had a good night. But Christ, we needed more of those. Yeah, we, we, we did. And, and, and Dave, you, you're going to dash off. But I would say the one thing you say is, you know, your message to us during that QPR game was terrible and we did a whole podcast the weekend about how bad things are and I, I truly you, you've actually even though you say you've bringing the mood down you've actually set the mood where it, it should be it, it was a win it was great but we cannot forget about what has what's gone on we'll talk about your reaction to the to our podcast on the weekend in, in a bit thank you very much Dave hang on hang on I've got a question for sure. Dave are we allowed to say our season starts here <laughs> absolutely I'm on board <laughs> HMS the league is <laughs> it's leaving it's leaving the port once more but it's got a long way to go still <laughs> see you later Dave hello Michael alright then John how are you well I'm alright Dave. Dave's done his little runaway and he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, you know, he's quite nice he sort of said you know, we should have done that more often we should have done that more often and he's, he, he is a bit right but for you Michael we, we did a podcast on the weekend, and as I said already, we're not going to forget about what we said about that and what we said in that podcast, but let's, let's talk about this game and let's be positive for once, for a little bit. Let's talk about the goals. I mean, loser, Davis scored a goal, yeah. first time since Luton. Yeah, 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 yeah. first time, um, yeah. And, a, and a, a goal for British Summer Longer. Let, let, good goals, though. Yeah, I think so. I think the most important thing about the loser, loser goal is it came early. It, it's finally set the tone. We've, we've been, this team has been so guilty this season of not being able to come out of the traps and really set the tone. And we knew that Birmingham were coming into this in, in bad form. It felt like it could be a case of two bald men fighting over a comb a little bit this afternoon. Watford fans on a real sort of downer, really, about our form, and, and rightly so. And Birmingham, not, not much better. They've had a really good start under, under my old mate John Eustace. The restraining order was lifted <laughs> briefly enough for me to, to, to attend the game tonight and uh, under the strict proviso that I didn't go within 30 yards of him. Um, but good to see you nonetheless, John. Um, my number's still the same if you do ever want to get in touch. So it was, it was important that Watford came out of the traps and, and, and set their stall out and, and, actually, and took the game to Birmingham um, because we talked about Chris Wilder coming in, it being a mini-season. 
Watford well and truly fluffed their lines. Never known fluffed their lines in the opening day for, for Chris Wilder. They completely forgot their lines and, and, and didn't, didn't even turn up on stage. Um, uh, they didn't even get a script. They didn't even get a draft of the script <laughs> before turning up. Keep the analogy going, right? Keep it going. So it was the, it was the home curtain call for, um, for Chris Wilder tonight. So for a whole host of reasons, it was important that they got off to that good start. Imran Loser gave it to them and it was followed up pretty quickly by, by Keenan Davis, which, yeah. was, which was good. That Davis goal, though, for a man who hasn't scored many goals recently, Jason, surprising in some ways. Yeah, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving... Wait to the charts from. First of all, I'm, I'm loving the, uh, the, the story of the Villa man on loan at Watford scoring his last <laughs> two goals against Luton and Birmingham. That, that obviously goes down well. Do, do you know what I like most about that goal? And it's going to seem really sort of strange, but it was the... It was the... When we won the ball, when it was Porteous, I think, that won the ball, just a couple of yards ahead of the defensive line. I'm not sure if they'd had a set piece. So they were on the attack. And he's then the intent for him to step out of the defensive line and go and win it, set us off, set us on our way. Um, and it was that, that's that thing. So that, that, that was right, that's different. Yeah. We're doing that differently. That's showing more intent than we have done in the last couple of months. And, yeah, and obviously then you, 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 you take your chances with that and then you go on and score. But, yeah, Davis, I think his goal, doing what Davis does best, one-on-one, up against someone in the box, I think we saw it. His goal against Stoke was similar, where he's sort of taking a man on, beating him, got the space, took his shot, took his shot well, hit it high, hit it hard. Keeper's got no chance. Yeah, great goal. He's an interesting character, Keenan Davis, isn't he? I don't think we've seen anything like his his best really over the course of this Watford season. I mean, we haven't seen the best out of out of most of them really. Um, and he, he just—I wonder whether there's a bit of a fragility to to Keenan Davis. They're all playing with a lack of confidence, but I just wondered—he did seem to have that little bit of extra spark and bounce and strength and, and, and determination. And I wonder, just wonder, whether, of course, he's a Villa player, we're playing against Birmingham, yeah. he knows he's going to get that sort of... Uh, he's going to get that reception. There's a, there's a bottle of drink that landed pretty close to him after, after he scored. I just wonder whether he needs that, that spark. I mean, an, an idle thought, but... No, I, I, I was thinking about that similar. You know, if I was Chrissy Wilder and I was sort of trying to... By the way, John, I love how you call him Chrissy Wilder. Well, I love do, do, it. Do you know where that comes from? That comes from DCW talking about it on the uh, Football Clichés podcast. There we go. And I hadn't actually clearly called him Chris Wilder in my head yet. And he called him Chrissy. I went, I'm going to call him Chrissy. And it stuck. And I haven't, it's, it's just stuck there. Chrissy Wilder it is. Chrissy Wilder it is. But it's almost like if you had to do something in a few days for this team, what is the one thing you could do to have some sort of impact? It's make Keenan Davis feel a king of the world because he might then end up doing something he didn't quite think of king of the world but you know it, it would be an easy win for a manager like Chrissy Wilder to do something with, 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 with Keenan but the third goal the third goal yes Mr Britta Sombolonga unfortunately there weren't many people in the ground today it's a bit quieter today but not enough to do a conga well we should have got conga in the game but Britta Sombolonga scored his first goal for Watford but that goal was made by one Kone. Yeah, I thought Ismail Kone looked looked back to his his best today. I saw um, uh, Dave Levy at halftime, and he described him as, as looking like a, a superb athlete. And I think that's right. He mm. he looks in control of himself, the ball. He looks like he knows what he's going to be doing. He's not shy on the ball. He's looking for a pass. He's looking to make things happen. And I thought he did incredibly well for that um, for that goal. Yeah, he squared it across, made made the run down the flank, beat his man, stayed calm, composed and, and maintained his poise and put it on, his, on, on a plate for Britta Sombolonga who got a little bit of luck it was very very close to the keeper he had to get it on target it bounced off the keeper hit Brit and, and went back in I, but I thought Kone was yeah thinking again to, to next season a little mm. bit 
Kona looks like a very, very, very good signing and mm. someone that you could sort of build a team around is, is potentially pushing it a little bit. Mm. But thinking forward to next season, I'm really, really glad that we're going to have him here. He looks like a, a real baller, as the, uh, as the kids say. I think he'll be disappointed that he didn't score. Mm. Um, I think we, had, we probably should have been 4 up. Kona had a chance. Jeremy and Gakia had a chance. Didn't he? Dave said Dave, in, our, in our group, he said, oh, "I feel sorry for Jeremy because he'll never hit one that well again." <laughs> sort of uh, suggesting that he's used up his uh, decent strike quota. But yeah, Kone looked in charge and in control tonight, and I, I really enjoyed his performance. We were discussing Jason. The announcer always comes over at the end of the game. Who got man of the match? And often we ignore it this season. But the the, the call came out that it was it was Jao Pedro, and there were around the place and that's not me saying he had a bad game or anything so who would who for you would be that, that man of the match then uh, yeah we looked at each other didn't we with, with Pedro and, and just to, to carry on with him for, for a little bit there were some bright moments from Pedro that you'd expect you know some great moments of skill there were also some moments where he didn't quite get the pass right um, and and not not uh, his usual standards I think you'd say because he was further at the pitch I, I don't think it's that no I think it, it, I don't know if there was if he picked up a knock or something. He had a bit of tape on the back of his leg, and he looked to be struggling. He went off and put something on his thigh oh, did, at yeah, some yeah, point, yeah, didn't yeah. he? Um, so yeah, I don't know if there's, there's something there that was sort of putting him off his game a bit. But um, it, it seems a bit churlish to, to call him out for anything. No, but but yeah, so, you know, um, for me, I thought it was Imran loser. I thought he was everywhere on that on that pitch today. You know, he, he was he was involved a lot of what we saw that we haven't been seeing in recent games was with him. Things, just, just silly things like movement at throw-ons. How many times yeah. have we sort of complained in recent home games where we're saying the team's static, there's no movement? So there, 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 there was a lot, and, and you have to credit the rest of the midfield as well as part of that. There was a lot of, sort of interchange in the midfield and where, um, where the wing-backs were pushing on, where the centre-backs were going wide loser was popping up like in, in sort of covering sort of almost the full-back positions yeah, at time was. coming deep to getting ball pushing on past Bacunia Bacunia I think we need to mention as well because yeah. I, I thought for, for me he had a, a, a decent solid game for someone that hasn't played for a while you know sort of, certainly hasn't started a game for a long time uh, it, it wasn't spectacular but I, I'm, I'm struggling to remember anything that he actually did wrong. He yeah. did. He did his job. Did what you presume was asked of him. Yeah. And do you think that was the thing about the choice of Makuna? Yes, it was sort of forced upon him because of Chowdhury, but also in Gakia coming in, who hadn't had any time really recently under him. Do you think they just showed Chrissy Wilder that <laughs> you know they are able to take instruction, do what is needed at this point in my development of a squad? They are too. I'll do what you need me to do yeah. and I'll do it as best I can for you. I, I do. It's funny you say that, John. I think for the first time it actually looked like they were players following instructions in terms of getting to specific positions on the pitch, looking for specific passes and, and, getting, and, and getting specific moves going. It actually felt like there was a plan. And I think those guys that have fitted in perfectly, I think, and, and Gakia, I think he's always going to struggle a little bit. He is not the world's best football player, mm. full stop. But... The interesting thing that Jason mentioned there about Bakuna, he didn't do anything wrong. And the frustrating thing about this season is if we'd have had just that level of performance from from all of them all season, just don't do anything wrong, we would have had a completely different season. If we had championship standard performances like we got from Bakuna tonight from everyone else eight times out of ten, 
then we would we'd be looking in, in, in just such a much much better position. But yeah, I think you're right, John. I think they looked like players who had listened in the week and had had an idea of what they were supposed to do. And I think it showed in terms of certainly the the, the first half. I, I was concerned by the by the second half. I was doing my classic <laughs> thing with you guys of saying, "Well, we could be behind here," but but genuinely speaking whether it's 10-15 minutes into the second half Watford hadn't had a kick and Birmingham had missed two sits mm. it was like I, I think I said to you guys it was like watching us from a few weeks ago where yeah. a tepid first half come out in the second half have a good sort of 15-20 minutes miss all the chances we create and then sort of go back into our shells very Watford like performance from Birmingham tonight yeah so but they but ultimately they did what they had to do, which is you get yourself ahead, and then if you do ride out a storm, there is if you if you do get so if you are so comfortable in the first half, there should be a reaction from the opposition, whoever it is. So you ride that out, but then you've done the hard work and you nick your third goal, and and then it, it was a non-event after that, wasn't it? For the yeah. final fifteen minutes, it, it was a training session. It felt like it was a parade, wasn't it? But they they did what they were supposed to do. It wasn't spectacular. There's no one leaving Vicarage Road tonight and like skipping, saying, "Well, wasn't that amazing?" It was functional. It was workmanlike. They were good in the areas that they had to be, and they've and, they, and they've won the game comfortably, as you'd expect a team like Watford with the side like Watford against a team like Birmingham with all the problems that that, that they're facing, the run of form they're in, the injuries that they've got. Troy obviously missing missing tonight. You'd expect Watford to win that. I'm delighted they did. It's you know if you can't enjoy a three nil home win, you're probably not doing doing football right. But it's it's a little bit frustrating because that's all we've had to do. And look, look Birmingham weren't great. They 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 really really struggled in this in the first half. They didn't get going at all, and they made it to, made probably made it too easy for Watford. Whether that's doing Watford a disservice, I don't know. But we Watford rode it out in the in the second half, got their got their rewards and uh, and have got the three points comfortably. So yeah, you're pleased with it. The other man, because I think he was a very Chrissy Wilder overlapping centre back, for me is possible man of the match, but maybe not in a, in a final put a gun to my head type type decision. Was, was who Jason? He he was doing that thing. He was making the overloads and got you quite excited, didn't it? Yeah, we had overloads. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> I, and and that was the start of it. That the start of the game we had. I think if we talk about that, we have to talk about the wing-backs as well, because at the start of that sort of first 15 minutes, certainly before we went 2-0 up, the, the wing-backs were probably the two of the three furthest players forwards when we when we had the ball. Both Ngakia on the right and Sam on the left were getting up almost level with Davis at times like in, those, in those early minutes. Um, and I think what we also have to say is how quickly Backman released the ball as well. Yeah. There's no sitting back, sort of letting the, the opposition settle. He was getting the ball... Looking for looking for a, a wide centre back, getting it out there, and what I thought we did well as well. So you talk about Hoot taking a wide position, as was was Porteous. At times, Birmingham would try and press, but we would seem to be comfortable hanging onto the ball, a couple of passes in the middle, and then you'd see that one of the wide centre backs would have a bit of space and time. We'd be able to get the ball out to them with a decent pass, and then we were able to go move our way up the wing with an overload. We we had that question that we what what did what do you call an overlapping overlapping centre back? When you, I don't think you can say that when he's already got the ball because Hoot made that good run didn't he early on, and we were sort of saying is that an overlapping centre back? I think he has to run past the ball yeah. and then receive the pass to be overlapping. Um, but yeah, the the, the, the idea is there, the principles there, isn't it? That our our centre backs were again in sort of in the the early stage of the first half were sort of getting forward, 
taking opportunities to run with the ball. I think Cathcart did it as well a few times yeah, as well yeah. when the options weren't on. He was bringing the ball forward. So it, it's good that they've got that licence. We never looked in that first half whilst we were doing that we never looked vulnerable either I thought there's always that risk if you're getting your centre-backs to to push on to move forward to run with the ball we looked comfortable and again that probably comes back to what I was saying earlier about loser and the other midfielders dropping in and being able to cover and all that sort of movement again that that creates it pulls the opposition around it we got to hope that we can keep playing like we did in that that sort of first 20-30 minutes in, in sort of the rest of the season it's, it's, it's bigger next, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. 20, 30 more minutes that we had at QPR. And I, I kept going to Dave because Dave was at QPR <laughs> on Saturday. Saying, no, is that better from him? Was he doing that bit more? Was that bit more over there? Are they pushing that bit more? Is that different from there? Because I didn't watch the whole game. I only saw highlights. But it, it certainly felt like a, a step. Yeah. And in, in, in Chrissy Wilder's trying to make this 11, 10 now or 9 now season to work. The big one, Michael, and the man in front of me, unfortunately repeated it on several occasions he is my annoyance at the moment where he picks on and I'm using that word very specifically Ishmael Assar he didn't start the game, we didn't even come on the game he was missing do you think that added something or are we just looking at the fact that we won and we were better and it, he wasn't playing, so it must be him I, I, I thought the same thing I did wonder about whether it made it easier to get that shape that Chris Wilder wants and to get the discipline into the side that, that he wants to, to, to play the way he, he wants without him. Yeah, and you sort of mentioned in the last podcast we did after Preston game, your, your biggest criticism, I suppose, of Bilic was the fact that you know, those front players almost had too much freedom. It's like, yeah. this is here, this play here, with backs all sorted out, you guys go and make it happen. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, so I think that potentially it's... You'd struggle to say that not having Ismail Assar is solves a headache. You, yeah. you want your best players available to you, but but quite frankly, we haven't got the best out of him or his his, his fellow attacking players this season. So perhaps not having him is it just makes life a little bit more straightforward. And I think that you, it's easier to put right you there, you there, you there. Mm. Do it, stick to it, without sort of having to go to sort of almost subconsciously bow to these mercurial talents that there because I still think you know Zhao got man of the match I wouldn't uh, uh, with you guys I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he has that impact he's obviously one of the best players in the championship if not the best player in the championship but I still maintain we don't get the best out of him yeah. I still think in a game like today where we've talked about what we've done well we've talked about Birmingham struggling we've talked about us asking questions and putting them on the back foot how much of that was down to Jao Pedro? Not, not really sure. It's not, not as much as you'd expect. So, I'm not going to. I think it's a bit feels a bit perverse to be talking about Saar in a game that he didn't play when we've won. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand the question. And what, what I like about it is that we've won the game comfortably. Hopefully, that gives them a bit of confidence. People like Davis, we've talked about, needs confidence. Loser, we've talked about, had a Herculean. And Herculean's probably pushing it, but the way he He's moved too short for that. The way he moved around the the, the pitch and. He just took responsibility, yeah. as, as Jay said. He was he was sweeping up in behind, and you could see his sort of frustration when a when a move broke down. And if he was in an advanced position, the move would break down. You'd see that little thing, and then he'd leg it back to get in position. And we've we've seen precious little of that. So I think, in terms of confidence, that that game will have done hopefully this side good. And I count Ismail Lassar in that coming back into a buoyant side. Um, and I mentioned, I sort of piped up earlier and said we've got Wigan next. Another team with huge, huge difficulties. They've got their own off-the-field off, off problems. It looks like they're, they're nailed on for, for relegation. So, look, 
take a bit of Chris Wilder's been bought in to win games he's, he's lost his first one that's gone we've nothing can do about it he's won this one the side looked half decent hopefully it'll give him some long long overdue confidence there's nine games to go in the season or <laughs> or 11 or, tw- or 12 but as it stands there's nine games can we see them just build on it and look happier playing football and look more determined playing football and just look more organised playing football. And they did all of those things tonight. So, like I say, I'm not going to rush home and watch the highlights, I don't think. If there's a, a, a DVD of it, I'm not going to be uh, <laughs> spending any, any money on it. But we've won a home game 3-0. It's overdue, but it's welcome. I think if the, you know that section in the end of season DVD, like they do, they do it per month. This would actually get quite a lot. At this point, it would get quite a lot because QPR was rubbish. Yeah. Fresh was pretty rubbish as well. But that's the only reason why there'd be a lot of highlights of this game, depending on what happens in the next few games, of course. Jason, I just want to just, just, like, just finish off Ishmael Nassar. If we've seen Watford play in this way with Chrissy, what would you... How, where would you fit him in? <laughs> I was, I was going to ask Mike that, but um, <laughs> it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I, I mean, if he was available Saturday... Would you start him? You, you perhaps wouldn't, would you? You, you could. Is he? Uh, would Christopher Wilder be afforded that luxury? <laughs> oh, Christopher! Sorry, sorry, I had to do that. Um, would he be afforded that luxury of leaving him on the bench? Um, could you? Could you even turn him into a right wing back? Maybe. Well, that, I, that, you know why? Why is that, not? Is that stupid? Happy? But then, but then you could. You could sort of say. Stick him on the bench, yeah. And if we need him as an impact player, you then sort of, yeah bring him on at right wing back because that's a more attacking move. That that just feels that feels wrong for. It feels like you use him as a luxury player. It doesn't it doesn't feel right that you don't have him in the starting eleven. Almost feels like you're trying to play football manager here where you sort of yeah yeah just oh yeah it doesn't fit into my line so I'm going to stick him on the bench. Okay. I can just bring him on just like that. But it's it's a conundrum, isn't it? This is why. Christopher is uh, is in charge. Well, you don't have to make the choice, Jason. I don't, and neither does Mike. It's all down to Chrissy, <laughs> Mr. Wilder, Mr. Wilder. Um, but it is we, we, before we we look ahead and we, we talked about it. It it doesn't feel like we. I saw lots of people before this game, Mike, sort of saying, "Oh, let's put let's put a spree on to begin with. Give him a chance. Push him this way." And you're thinking this isn't the time to make dramatic changes. It's the time to solidify to play as a unit as we've said for you is it the same starting 11 on, on, on Saturday yeah I think it depends on, on, on fitness I think Chowdhury's out for two games isn't he or is he, is he, is he back I, I think you're probably going to bring Hamza Chowdhury back in if, if he's available um, but apart from that, I think they did what they were expected to do. Like you, like you said, John, they looked like players who knew what their roles were. And I think if you carry out your instructions and you execute, which they did, scored three goals, kept a clean sheet, got three points, then I think you can probably you're entitled to expect to, to hang on to the shirt. A, a lot will depend on training. You'd like to think that the what they're going to have a day off, I guess, on on Wednesday, uh, back at it Thursday, and then. Friday's a light session, I guess. Listen to me sounding like I'm pretending <laughs> like I don't know what I'm talking about. Some light weights, so now they'll be in the gym for 20 minutes. Oh, sorry, that's, uh, that's just my schedule for the rest of the week. <laughs> uh, excuse me, I've just got to eat my pre prepared chicken and rice. Um, I hope you pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered why my car bounced earlier. 750 quid short, apparently. Um, it's, well, my, the reason I mentioned training is because they're going to come in. 
hopefully happier. Yeah. And and that intensity will will Massive. be will should be there and mm. and it gives players a chance to to potentially work that bit harder to get into the to get into the side. So I think you struggle not to pick Hamza Chowdhury in this side. I think he is an important component. Jason's right about about Bakuna tonight, and he uh, and he would probably feel a little bit hard done by if he gets dropped for Chowdhury. But I think he would understand. He knows full well why he was brought in. He knows where he's at in terms of his uh, of his career. Who's likely more likely to play the remaining nine? Or 11 or 12 <laughs> games. Uh, is, is it Hamza Chowdhury or is it uh, a Bakuna? It's, it's the former. So perhaps that's the, the change I'd make. But the rest of them, they've probably earned, earned another crack at it. Again, as I come back to it, it's again, again, another winnable game. Another winnable game. A similar setup to today, you'd have thought. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Michael, we did a podcast on the weekend. It was honest, it was open, uh, and uh, we've got a lot of great feedback from it. Uh, really sharing our, our feelings about being Watford fans at the moment in terms of what's going on behind the scenes and how that's affecting so much of the stuff that's happening on the pitch. It was great to get all the feedback. It certainly feels for me that lots of people agreed with what we were saying. They just don't happen to have a podcast to be able to say it like we, yeah. we do. But yeah, some really good feedback. And I, as I said, detail at the beginning, it's really important that even though this was a great win for Watford, it was a, you know, a win's a win, but that's not disappearing and we're not going to let it disappear in some ways. But the feedback was great. Yeah, and I think that's a really, really important point that I'm not going to, just because Watford have won 3-0 and got three points, going to sort of, sort of all of a sudden start thinking that everything's fine again and just ignore everything that we spoke about on... Uh, on the weekend, I absolutely um, laser focused on that and how important it is for our football club, and that that doesn't get washed away with with any set of results. We, even if we get promoted this season, that doesn't change anything that, that that we that we spoke about. So I think it's really important to to, to recognise that. But also, I think what's important is to say that we are allowed to enjoy the football yep. while still focusing on that, because otherwise there is nothing left. So you've got it. I was actually looking forward to. To, to come in tonight I didn't go to QPR I went to, to the basketball and, and to be honest gave myself the day off from worrying about Watford um, I, I, I was in a, in a place where I was thinking right the season's over um, I, the, all these things are wrong I'm, not, I'm just simply not going to worry about it and, and I'll be completely honest I felt immeasurably better for it I had a wonderful day on, on, on Saturday but then was looking forward to today because you still you are you can Worry, be concerned, focus on certain areas of the, the club. But as a supporter, the most, the most important thing is watching the game and enjoying the game. So, and I think the, the feedback we got was sort of pleasingly balanced mm. and pleasingly measured, and sort of seemed to sort of hit that, hit that on the, hit that, hit that on the on the spot. I'm just going to read out a couple of a couple of tweets if that's all right. MG99, um, excellent. Listen, plenty to consider. I don't ask for much. I don't think. I want to know that we'll still be a Watford for the future and that we'll win more than we lose. Yeah. So like, it's just a balanced yeah. looking to the future. Um, Paul Wareham, great podcast. Things important. And you pointed out um, all the highs we've had in the Pozzo era. Not much in the pot I didn't agree with. So again, it's about looking about what's happened, um, appreciating that but worrying about what goes on. Uh, Tim Turner, I don't disagree with anything you said, but it did leave me feeling a little bit depressed. Is there anything we can do realistically to persuade Gino to change the way he runs the club? And I, that interested me from, from Tim because I've been depressed as well, to be honest mm. about it. Not in a, in a clinical sense of word, but feeling really, really down about the club. And that goes back to what I just said. It is quite difficult to process. 
it does feel like a big problem that is for a, a mere fan like me can feel insurmountable but I, I would never want anyone to feel depressed about supporting Watford because there is still the football to watch mm. and whatever happens you can get some enjoyment out of the football the Birmingham fans were 3-0 down at the end they were having a good old sing song they were making sure that they were going to enjoy their Tuesday night out they've spent the money they've spent the time they're here enjoy it so to Tim I would say don't be depressed be aware be focused and care and let's keep our eyes peeled uh, uh, as to what we can what we can do. And we did get some emails, of course, come in. One from Laura, good, uh, and she sent us an uh, email. I said, hey, Laura, record it and send your thoughts in. So this is what Laura said, who was at QPR in the, the thick of it, really, about how she was feeling after listening to the podcast. This week's episode was spot on. It's so sad that the great days of the Pozzo era early on have come to this. It's Gino's club and he lives in an echo chamber, so I'm not sure how the club is going to get out of this mess. We can only pray that they do. Mike's words at the end ring so true. The club is also an integral part of my life. Aside from the dreadful performance at QPR, I was about five seats away from the fight in the upper tier, which started as a row about whether Saar was rubbish or not. Maybe I've had a sheltered life as a fan as I haven't witnessed many fights at games and certainly never one between our so-called fans. I found it upsetting not just for me but for the two young boys who were even closer to the scuffle and were petrified. I was upset because of the violence but also because it's an indictment, albeit a very extreme one, of the malaise currently at our beloved club. Who else, Mike? Did want to say hi to uh, to Mike Davis. He sent us an email. Hi, guys. I'm an avid listener and reader of all things Watford. I've never felt the need to be involved before. Thank you for this opportunity. You're welcome. <laughs> and that opportunity is open to absolutely everybody. Absolutely. Listening. As a 71-year-old pensioner who has watched Watford since I was 10 years old, I travel along with my wife, both season ticket holders, 260 miles round Jeez. trip from Shropshire to each home game. Um, we're out of the house for up to 10 hours for each game. Um, he said, I may be wrong, but I feel that we've, um, uh, we've travelled to more defeats than victories and draws over the past five years. However, he's still very much Pozzo in. Yeah. So that's someone who is able to... So thanks for, for emailing in, Mike. And it's someone who is committing so much to the football club, is probably aware of what's going wrong, um, but just still loves it. And I think that's... That's so important that 71 years old and be coming to Watford for, for however many years, still making that extraordinary effort, it shows that the, the good that the, that the football club can do. Um, James McLeod, uh, McLeod emailed in. Um, uh, he has a two and a half hour round trip for, from Essex, having, mo- having moved out there recently. Season ticket holder, proud of the community work, uh, but there was a big but in but- James's email. Um, there's problems on the pitch with direct result of baffling self-defeating decisions made off it hard to justify the, the time money and effort the key word in all of this is culture any successful organisation starts with having the right principles uh, and um, behaviours in place which should then lead to good decisions the culture at Watford right now makes it impossible for the club to be successful I don't need to be watching Premier League football at Vicarage Road I simply want a club that I can be proud of and I think that kind of sums everything up in that wonderful email from from James there is none of us are demanding that we win every week none of us are demanding that we are in the Premier League Champions League even a Beza Homes League what we want is a club that we can be proud of and a club that we put the effort in to come and support 
as we mentioned last in the pod at the weekend, people are spending an inordinate amount of time on the road to come and support this football club. Um, so we we need to be able to be to be proud of it. We need to be able to believe in it. And and I I maintain everything that we said at the weekend. There are huge tranches of this football making football club and the decision making that we obviously can't be proud of. It's taking the club in the wrong direction. The owner is getting things wrong and he's piling wrong decision on top of wrong decision. And I think just a, that's just a brief, brief cross-section. Sorry for everyone who we weren't able to read your, mm. your messages out. That's just a brief cross-section out. It has an impact on people. People care so, so much about this, this football club. And, and it is a special football club for so, so many reasons. But the, the, there is pain emotional pain being inflicted on people because they worry about the way the the club is going but what I was delighted about was that that it struck a chord but it it was it was a measured response it wasn't like yes you're right they're absolutely terrible we need to get them out or and I understand that that if you if your pots are out I totally get it but it was all about sort of focusing on what's needed is cultural change and that is a, a shift and that's potentially a Long term? <laughs> yeah, I guess it is and it isn't because, as I said at the, at the weekend, it's all within Gino's gift to start making these decisions. And we're kind of looking forward to next season already. We're looking ahead, I think, whether we admit it or not, subconsciously, we're on the countdown to next year's kickoff in the Championship and what that football team can look like. And what I'm desperate for is for the owner to recognise that for that to be a success, he's going to have to recognise. All the mistakes that have been made over the over the past decade, the one the ones that have been compounded in the last three or four years, he'd got to face up to them. He'd got to face the realities of what his decisions have have meant for this football club and us as supporters that that are, that are investing in it. You, the crowd was announced as eighteen thousand tonight. That's not cooking the books. They tickets sold and season tickets holders, etc. What are we saying? 14,000 in there, in there tonight. So people did ask, what can we do to show show Gino that we're serious? You know, I think personally, protests and and stuff like that are are one thing. Would quite frankly, would Gino care? I Mm, I doubt it. He doesn't strike me as the sort of person who's going to be worried about a a couple of signs or some or or people standing outside the hospital exit at at this stage. But what he will notice is if he's watching on TV vast swathes of empty seats tonight are totally understandable with the, the it's Tuesday night uh, cost of living etc it's freezing cold it's Birmingham um, <laughs> but that that is something that will start to the, the owner will start start to notice and yeah we, we, what we want to do is we're not saying this is going to be a thing that's going to happen but we want to hear if you could sit down with Gino what would you want to ask him what are the questions you want to ask Gino we're not after the trying to find out about a bit of gossip and some titter-tat and all the rest of it what are the questions you have for Gino Pozzo about this football club big open questions that you would want to know and specific areas specific areas send them along with your thoughts to podcast at fromtherookerend.com um, they email so much nicer to sort of really to see it's not a limitation that we get on the on the, the tweets you send us even though they are amazing they are brilliant but do send the questions that you would have for Gino uh, and we want to try and compile them we did it about phew, 12, 13, 10, 11, 12, 13 years ago whatever it was whenever Mr Bassini was in charge we had our questions for him things that we want to know um, and you never know you never know answers may came, come from, from some of them. I think if we craft those questions correctly, we can use them to hold 
Gino accountable and we can reference them as supporters. We can, if they're framed correctly, I don't think we're ever going to sit down with him and get to ask him face to face. But if we frame them correctly, we can use them as for accountability. How are you? They're almost KPIs. (laughs) <laughs> aren't they yeah. how are you performing against them are you are you delivering are you how you're answering these questions so yeah it's a, it's a great idea and, and I think something that's worth thinking about do do let us know but just before final one from me just to, to wrap up yeah uh, we got a tweet from Alan WFC um, the players have been soft and have to be held accountable quite clearly other teams want it more and maybe this is down from for, from the, to the culture from above and I think the reason I wanted to mention that one from Alan is because we were careful not to talk about players when we spoke at the weekend John we kind of cut them a little bit of slack but I do think they do need to be held accountable as Alan Alan said they need to take some professional responsibility which they've been they've been crap for most of the season almost almost to a man and whilst I do think that the culture and the environment has a massive impact on that they do have to take responsibility and to round things off on a positive tonight they did they followed their instructions they executed and they won and for the first time in a long time Watford fans I don't think Watford fans will go home necessarily cock-a-hoop and happy but will go home contented and probably relieved tonight and the players turned up, they did their job. We need a lot, a lot more of it. Thank you very much, Michael. You're welcome. Cheers. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Uh, we're back, of course, on Saturday after the Wigan home game for another From the Rooker Do send us your emails with your questions for Gino. And come on, you all!